0: welcome to fanar podcast a series of podcasts featuring a variety of topics issues and events relating to the nuclear and radiological sectors in the uae and across the globe as a growing number of countries consider embarking on their own nuclear energy programs and with other countries showing interest in revitalizing and expanding their nuclear energy infrastructure there is a growing sense that following decades of stagnation Due to high costs and safety concerns, the nuclear energy industry is undergoing a revival. Such renewed interest comes on the back of rising energy demands and a desire to combat climate change. In this regard, nuclear energy offers a reliable source of clean energy. In this edition of the Fanner Podcast, we speak to Mr. Mark Foy, the Chief Executive and Chief Nuclear Inspector of the UK's Office for Nuclear Regulation about the future of the nuclear energy sector.
1: So in terms of the future of nuclear energy and uh, due to the energy crisis, many countries decided to extend their nuclear power plant operations, which are due for decommissioning uh, to meet their future energy demands. And many many other countries are also considering nuclear energy as a solution to this challenge. In your opinion, how will regulatory bodies maintain their independence in the face of potential pressure from their governments to extend the life cycle of those power plants?
2: Good question. I think during the conference that has been held in Abu Dhabi, independence and autonomy of regulators in decision-making are essential to maintain public trust. But I think it's clear that national, legal and regulatory frameworks should safeguard independence. They should ensure that policymakers and sponsors cannot assert undue influence over regulatory bodies, Mm -hmm. but they should also make clear for provision for financial and human resources and define the purpose of regulatory bodies and provide appropriate powers to regulate effectively. But there are other factors that also promote regulatory independence, and these include having a competent and well-resourced regulatory body body with well-defined governance and decision making process. But I also think that um, openness and transparency is important, Uh, being accessible to stakeholders and the public, making information available to the public and stakeholders on the decisions that you are making as a regulator, the independence of those decisions and the standards that you are using as you come to make those decisions. But those things can also be complemented by things such as independent peer reviews and assur- assurance activities uh, that confirm the compliance with global standards and the defined arrangements within your regulatory body. Uh, I also think that, uh, that key is international collaboration and cooperation. That provides the opportunity and benefits uh, of sharing and learning from each other, but also receiving support from fellow regulators as well. Yes, And on a global
1: scale, um... It would seem that nuclear energy has gone through uh, a stagnation and decline, if you will, due to multiple factors uh, such as the previous nuclear accidents like Chernobyl, Fukushima, and which causes uh, a loss of public trust, as well as high costs of building uh, nuclear power plants. Um, This has raised concerns that there is a a lost generation in the uh, in nuclear energy experts both from regulators and uh, operators how concerned should the nuclear industry be regarding this challenge
2: i think the renewed interest in nuclear to satisfy both energy security and low carbon needs will create significant demand for resource that resource has got to have the right skills and capability for the industry and for regulators Mm The traditional opportunities that we've had in the past for recruitment from a large pool of experienced people is no longer available to us. But the challenges, as I've said, face industry, the supply chain and regulators. They are national and potentially global problems and they can't be solved by individual organisations alone. What it requires is a a coordinated, coherent effort that will require the support of governments uh, that will then establish the right educational, training and development programmes. Uh, New pipelines will also need to be developed and used, such as graduates, recruiting from other high hazard sectors, and organisations growing their own using apprenticeships and development programmes. Also important is knowledge management and capturing the knowledge of those experienced people before they leave via via IT systems and databases, consolidating their knowledge and training and making sure that appropriate handovers take place from those experienced individuals. In terms of attracting people, Um, I think there's a real opportunity to attract young people and graduates. Uh, What has to happen is talking about nuclear differently. Uh, It has a major role in tackling climate change and energy security, and I think that really interests young people of today. Uh, You can also say that it's at the forefront of science and technology and offering exciting careers and great prospects for the future. And in doing that, I also think it opens up that opportunity for greater diversity in the workforce as well. Something that the nuclear sector has has missed significantly from its outset. Mm -hmm. Degree and training programmes do need to be established. and Those training uh, opportunities support the industry needs, but more needs to be done in schools on nuclear, what it is and the benefits that it provides.
1: So things like awareness sessions.
2: Yes, I, I, yeah. I think that's very much needed, but uh, you need enduring programs, both within schools, within universities and colleges that, uh, start to raise the awareness on nuclear, mm-hmm. um, and uh, really do start to irk people's interest in nuclear. They will follow that through and then hopefully choose it as a career for the future. Yes. And that, and that, and that fits in
1: nicely with the word trust. Yes. Trust your regulator, trust the industry.
2: Yeah. So, so I, I think the industry again has suffered from that lack of trust from yes. the public and stakeholders because, um, it's seen as insular. People do not have that awareness. So I think if you start to go into schools and portray nuclear for what it is, uh, to all intents and purposes it is a safe and secure source of electricity yes. um, and that would all go well for the future in terms of climate change and energy security yes
1: and in terms of new technologies uh, there's many countries considering small modular yes. reactors as a solution for their future energy demands yes. as regulators are we ready to see these new technologies I, I or think what implement I would,
2: even? I think what I would say is that the advent of SMRs has been anticipated mm-hmm. by regulators and nations for many years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's taken some time for them to, to now to start become reality. Uh, regulators have developed their plans as best we can. And it's been quite cyclical as government's interest has waxed and waned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've established our plans now on the best information available to us. What I would say is that regulatory bodies in a number of countries have been engaging with vendors of SMRs. uh, One, to understand what types of technologies are being brought forward and that we're likely to have to assess and license, but also for vendors to understand regulatory expectations and processes. Mm -hmm. Many regulators, including my own, the United Kingdom's Office for Nuclear Regulation, have also reviewed and revised their regulatory processes to ensure they are appropriate for SMR technologies. Uh, and the varying degrees of maturity that we can see within those uh, technologies. And again, for the United Kingdom, we've got a goal-setting regulatory framework. uh, That's technology neutral, and we believe it provides a flexible environment within which to consider the range of SMR technologies that are likely to come forward. There are also no, I believe, examples of collaboration between regulators being seen, and that's a positive change from how national regulatory bodies have worked and operated in past they've done it really as a state body in isolation to many other national regulators and you will start to see benefits from that for regulators and the industry uh, in terms of consistency and efficiencies
1: and of course these new technologies aren't only limited to uh, smrs but you'll see that the new generations of power plants are adopting advanced technologies, such as artificial intelligence, which of course come with their own set of risks, like cyber attacks and and whatnot. Do you think that the benefits of such technological advancements outweigh the risks?
2: In the United Kingdom, we operate an approach to regulation called enabling regulation. And that's where we focus on uh, working with the industry To enable them to achieve their goals their outcomes but safely and securely so my view is that regulators should not stifle the adoption of innovation or new and novel solutions and and, uh, similar technologies Uh, we should not be seen as a blocker Mm -hmm. but innovators should also ask for regulators input don't assume what the regulators position will be it will not be no you need to ask and understand the perspective of the regulator but there's also that need for regulators to work with industry early as it begins to consider the, the adoption of innovative and novel solutions so that we, in our own right, can understand the details of the innovations being proposed Absolutely. and we can feed in our regulatory expectations early. It's a lot easier to change something or adjust something in its concept stage than it is when it's actually being fitted on the plant or Agreed. being constructed Agreed. in concrete and steel. But to my mind as well, I believe that in most cases, adopting innovative solutions will bring safety benefits. And a a prime example of that that's emerging is the use of artificial intelligence to review uh, NDT results of welds. And the artificial intelligence is much more reliable than the human eye in picking up defects. Mm
1: -hmm. Well said, well said. We'd like to thank Mark Foy, Chief Executive and Chief Nuclear Inspector, of the United Kingdom Office for Nuclear Regulation. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you very much, Rashid. It's been a
1: pleasure. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of FANAR Podcast. Join us next time to hear more about the latest developments in the nuclear and radiological sectors in the UAE and across the globe.